0: Today on the Scott Radley show on 900 CHML. The coronation of King Charles is coming up soon, but a new poll by Leger here in Canada finds that um, most people really couldn't give a rip, which is the nice way of saying it. 12% of respondents said it was really good news that Charles is King. 67% of Canadians are indifferent to whether or not he is or isn't. Now, The next question, do you feel a tie to the monarchy? 77% of Canadians say, no, I don't feel any kind of connection to the monarchy whatsoever. And that leads to the third question. Should we, is it time for Canada to reconsider its ties with the monarchy? 56% say yes, it is time to do that. Let me bring in Nathan Tidridge. We love having Nathan on here. We're talking about things to do with the monarchy. He is not only a teacher at Waterdown District, he is also a prolific writer about the monarchy and its place in this country. He's written six books on the topic. Joins us now. Nathan, thanks for doing this.
1: Hey, Scott. I'm really happy to be here. It's good to talk to you.
0: This is, I'm not surprised at all with the ambivalence towards King Charles, because his mother was rather beloved and, uh, you know, his background has sort of created this with Diana and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that said, ambivalence is not necessarily bad. He could build on that. The question is this majority now, it seems, of Canadians who say this is our moment when we have to cut or should cut ties. What do you take from that?
1: Well, I think it just, it really reflects um, really, kind of our, our poor understanding of how the crown works in our democracy. Uh, kind of, there's the mechanics of it, there's the ceremony of it, there's the treaty aspect of it. Uh, it it's it's not really discussed in schools. It's not discussed at the government uh, government level. And so, it, the fact that people don't understand um, or are indifferent to it, I don't. It's not surprising to me, considered how it's treated and talked about in the country.
0: Do you think this would be do you think this is simply a monarchy thing or do you think this would be different if Charles was wildly popular?
1: Uh well I mean it, it's a strange thing right because there's it, 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 the the crown in this country does kind of dip into celebrity a little bit but I think if people understood the crown its role in the country that would there'd be more of appreciation but also too if people understood charles more and kind of his beliefs and his kind of the pillars that that he's striving for i mean the the address that he gave on uh, commonwealth day i mean he was talking about sustainability like things that are right in line uh with what uh, what canadians value uh and and a much more kind of active approach that he was uh, that he was talking about that that we've seen in the past so I think if people, Canadians, were allowed to see Charles more and understand him more, um, that would be a really good thing, and numbers would reflect that.
0: I, I do wonder though. So let, let's let's go back in the time machine here and do the the Back to the Future, where we affect what's going to yeah. happen in the future. He and Diana live a long, beautiful, happy life of love together. They don't break up. She doesn't die. They, she is now ascending to her spot, essentially as queen. I, I, I just, I have to believe that the numbers are different as far as people's opinion of the monarchy because they like the monarch better.
1: There's a possibility in that. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's no denying that. But I mean, who could predict what happened? Happened, and who right. could predict? I mean, and. You know, the, the kind of what if, I, I don't know. and uh, But, yeah, I mean, there is a possibility in that, absolutely, especially with, I mean, she was a really captivating figure, and uh, we're seeing that, right? And there's a lot of retrospectives, and, of course, there's The Crown, the, the Netflix show that's
0: kind of uh, really... Um, hasn't helped him. Yeah, hasn't yeah. helped him too much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, but actually, when I watched The Crown, if I'm going to talk about that, it, it, it you do see a different side as well that uh, uh, that uh, that comes off. Uh, I, I was really interested by that. It wasn't totally demonizing, which I thought was interesting.
0: Is there a ri- well? I don't even know if the word is a risk. I, I suppose that some people would say it shouldn't be. A, you shouldn't be asking about a risk. Is there a possibility? Yeah. Is there a possibility that? anything happens as a result of this. I know the monarchy is, and the crown is tied into our government, but right. you know what? We, we just were talking in the segment before that the prime minister had said, you know, we're not going to have an inquiry. And then 71% of Canadians say they want an inquiry. And now that at least door is open to David Johnson, the new rapporteur. If, yeah. the, if the numbers... the numbers Right. If the numbers show that more and more Canadians want this and politicians listen to numbers, is there yeah. a chance... Somebody tries to do something with this.
1: Find me a politician that wants to sit down and open up the Canadian Constitution um, and, and try to rip out something that was entrenched by the provinces. And, uh, it, and then maybe you, you would see it. But it is so hardwired into our Constitution. And that was done in 1982 at the behest of the provinces, Quebec included. Because for Canadians, the, the monarchy here guarantees provincial sovereignty. And then, of course, you layer in uh, treaty rights and uh, I find me a, a prime minister that wants to do that. And so while on the surface, there's the, the surface level, uh, uh, you know, popularity that these polls kind of pick up on, uh, when we actually dig down into how it's wired into the country, um, I, I just can't see it happening and no, no politician wants to do that. And ever since, you know, I remember back to Meach Lake and the Charlottetown Accord, there hasn't been anything since that because they know what, what that involves. I'll, I'll say one more thing though. Yeah. If you've been a little bit of time with the, with the coronation, there's such an opportunity here to educate Canadians on what the crown uh, does here and kind of what you know who Charles is and what it means for Canada and what Canada's expectations are in the new reign, but this silence that the federal government yes yeah,
0: see that was the right. next thing Nathan that was the next thing I was going to ask okay. in the time we have left which is the government has been completely silent on what the plans are in this country for anything to do with the coronation and I look now at these numbers and. I'm going to go with you being correct here that, you know, we're not going to disentangle ourselves because it's just really not that possible. But you know what? We just won't do much for the coronation and the monarchy will essentially die by atrophy if we just kind of let it die on the vine.
1: And I mean, at a time when we're having these important conversations around colonization and um, and and all of the things that that has brought, this is an opportunity to, to do that. But if the government actually announces some kinds of plans, then they have to come up with some actions and they have to do something. And so the best thing is to say nothing. So instead of highlighting the Crown's role in treaty, uh, you know, the King's uh, statements on the value of the Commonwealth and environmental policy and all of these sorts of things, the best thing uh, for, for a politician is to just say nothing and hope this rides out. And I think that's what we're seeing here. And it's, it's it's really unfortunate because it is an opportunity to continue these important conversations that we're having at the heart of our democracy, but instead... The, the decision seems to be uh, that nothing's going to be done.
0: That is Nathan Tidridge. Uh, you can find his books if you want to read about this stuff. You can find them around. Uh, Nathan, always appreciate you taking time. Thanks for doing this. Anytime, Scott. Take care. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. So I want to talk about this this thing last night, and I didn't even know this was on. And then I saw some highlights of it. I, I Clearly, not only were... Maybe we're not in the target market, but I am definitely not in the target audience for this, but they must think some are. It was called the Big City Greens Classic. And if you saw this on your TV, you either, I'm sure, thought you were watching a video game or you were drunk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure which it is. Let me bring in Bill Briou. He is a great TV writer, writes on uh, Briou TV. You can read all kinds of stuff there. Great stuff there always. Bill, how are you tonight? I'm well, Scott. How are you doing? Well, I'm I'm well. I'm slightly confused by what I saw when I watched it. Um, So for those who didn't see it, essentially what the NHL and one of their broadcast partners did was they showed a real game in real time Only somehow through the magic of computers, all the players, as they skated around the ice playing the game like normal, were transposed into animated, almost video game figures. And I think they had a chicken for a a referee and other things. You saw a little bit of this. You were watching some of the highlights or lowlights or midlights or whatever you (laughs) want to call it afterwards. Is this just me and maybe other people saying this was goofy, or and really a bunch of kids are going to look at this and say this is fantastic? This is what I want.
2: No, no one will think it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm very clear on that. I, you know, I'm old enough to remember Peter Puck. They used to have a. Oh yeah, Brian McFarland. In, yeah, Hockey Night in Canada, and uh, uh, you know that was kind of funny. But this is just a novelty. I mean, I'm not sure. uh, Maybe this is the way for the Leafs to finally win the Stanley Cup, you know <laughs> but uh it it it's it's just it's it's fun for about twelve seconds right and then what well, what was more fun was they they had the rink they had it sort of on a street with with dumpsters and cones and stuff around it, you know they showed some imagination with the escaping it and then animals coming onto it and stuff, so you know it was different, but I don't think we're we'll beginning be seeing this every single week. Well, and so here's the thing. We have seen
0: something like this, sort of, sort of like this tried before. The NFL has had their Nickelodeon game a bunch of times where it's still the players. It's still the broadcast, but if you score a touchdown, there's video graphics of like slime falling or whatever else. So there, there's, it's kind of been this, but this is taking it like full immersive. This is taking it to the point where you are watching a video game, not a hockey game.
2: I, I just think it's sad. Is hockey that uninteresting that you have to do this? You know, it makes you wonder about the game. Um, there are always networks trying to find a novel way to spruce things up. I remember Fox years ago when they started covering hockey. They had a blue tail. You know, if you saw a puck, a slap shot, there would be a, a blue tail. Yeah, the Fox track. Figured, Fox yeah, track. Yeah. You know, uh, Americans could not possibly follow a hockey game on television. Um, and and I think this is just another. and and here we are talking about it the next day and that's all good for for the game I guess in terms of publicity
0: Uh, you mentioned that one just off topic for a second was Foxtrack just ahead of its time because I I, as much as I you know I'm a traditionalist in a sense I kind of wonder you know we've got right now I think probably the Leaf game is on probably it's on four channels if one of the channels had the Foxtrack puck do you think there would be an audience I think there would be some people that would watch that channel
2: yeah, I do. And you notice lately, um, I noticed that they identify players' name and number in a block while they're carrying the puck on some shots. Yep. Uh, you know, and different things like that. So there's there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I, to me, I marvel at how the advertising along the boards changes constantly during a game now, all around the rink. Um, and it, it looks so distracting in some ways. It takes your eyes off the. The ice, but I guess everyone will get used to it. So there's always change.
0: All right, let me ask you that then about the okay. So you're talking about the advertising. We, we've got, as I say, I probably right now, and, and uh, you know, people can flip around if they want and find out. But most games, it's usually on four channels or something on Sportsnet or on TSN. Right. Why not? If you're one of those networks and you've got four channels that are showing the same thing, why not have one with, say, you know, people have said before, you know, it would be fun to watch as a game with no play-by-play, just the stadium ambiance so it's as if you were there. So no play-by-play, no voices. One with the voices, one with all the stats pouring on the screen all the time. Why not use the channels you have to offer different things to appeal to different audiences so they... All will watch because ultimately, if you're Sportsnet or your TSN and people are watching your channels, does it really matter if they're all watching the same one?
2: Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, I know that uh, it used, most of the sports networks, they're a suite of channels, they try to offer some variety. They don't always have, like, you know, the Ontario network is generally always the same as the national, but sometimes not. You know, there's Blue Jays, there's other things to cover. So um, I guess there's that complication. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, you could have it without commentary. I know a lot of people turn the sound off the TV and listen to, uh, the, the radio, uh, play by play sometimes for Leaf games too, right?
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I've just never understood what the point is of just playing the same thing on four channels all at the same time. I've never, I've never I, because, you know, I I guess maybe once upon a time, Bill, the idea was that, again, let's use Sportsnet just, and the only reason I mentioned that one is because they geographically identify their channel, Sportsnet West, Sportsnet Ontario, Sportsnet East. Yes. Maybe once upon a time, the thought was I, somebody out in Vancouver will only subscribe to Sportsnet West. I don't know anybody who only gets one of them. Pretty much everybody has all of them. So why, why not use them
2: Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but because they're regional, like we here in the GTA, we're seeing often duplication on on different channels. But if you're living in Vancouver or Calgary, you're probably not. You know, you're not, um, you know, you're seeing something more regional. So I guess that's the way. It's just to offer different things at different times. Um, You know, uh, sometimes they duplicate because there's nothing else going on time zone-wise. So that's what happens.
0: Uh, By the way, if anyone wants to go look this one up, um, what we're talking about, it was called, so Big City Greens is an animated series and they basically used the animation from that series. And it's, I mean, the technology is amazing. There's no question the technology of what they were able to do to have players who were playing a game without, you know, Bill, the thing I didn't understand is all these times that we've seen you know, when you see the behind the scenes of, say, the making of Lord of the Rings or something, and you see the person who is playing Gollum, he's got all those little things on his body so the computer can figure out where the parts are moving. Like, it's, the technology is amazing. That The fact that they were able to do this without the players wearing all that stuff was very cool to me. I mean, it really does say where the technology could go.
2: Yeah, you're right. Uh, but, I mean, it, with that animation, it was pretty limited. You know, it was sort of like a, table hockey game almost with uh, rounded uh, uh, players. So not the detail that obviously you would see on um, Lord of the Rings. or No, no, of course. But
0: but, but just but, that yeah, you it could do this. show
2: you that live, they could do a lot of things, yeah.
0: Yeah, you, I mean, you, you could, I mean, as the technology gets better, because it always does, you could now see all kinds of applications for this, not even just with sports, I suppose. I suppose, that you could use on TV. Um, The the one thing, though, the one other thing before we move along on this one, do you think that, and I know you're not a video game guy per se, but do you think that the younger audience actually likes watching or playing video games more than the real thing? I mean, I know that there are are, people will watch on YouTube other people playing video games for hours. Is there a possibility that we have a generation that would actually prefer the video game version to the real thing?
2: Yeah, that would be a good question for my son. You know, he, he certainly uh, would more probably lean towards gaming, um, but uh, I do think that uh, one of the other things is that we have a generation now that probably doesn't really sit through an entire game. You know, like, to watch three periods um, is, is a lot to devote when you're uh, attention is focused on TikTok or sort bursts so that um, most, a lot of younger fans are really getting their hockey fix from the, the after shows or from the highlights, right? Um, probably people watching and I'm, I'm speculating a bit here, but I I'm guessing that the audience is a bit older Watch
0: the entire game. I, I no, I would absolutely agree, and I, and I don't even know if they watch the highlight shows. The younger audience, I, I, I think maybe you just see the highlights of a goal on Twitter sent out or wherever yeah. else. I mean, just like you're talking 10-second snippets, which is uh, not ideal if you're trying to run a league. Um, by the way, for those who want to see a little bit of this again, it was called the Big City Greens Classic and go on YouTube and type in NHL Big City Greens Classic. You will see what we're talking about, and you can decide if this is the future or if this is some sort of feverish dream. I'm not really sure which one it is.
2: Uh, all right. Uh, well, Scott, one thing I would just add is yeah. I think, like, game, true gamers, they would have probably find it just as stupid if it wasn't done really, really well. You know, like, they have a pretty high standards of what's good and what's bad, and, I I don't know if they would embrace, be ready to embrace what I saw the other night.
0: No, and this was clearly for very young kids, I would suggest. Yes. yes, But, you know, where, you know, we're going to move along, but it's a great point because where this, I think where the application might be, you know, the NHL, um, for all kinds of reasons of health and everything else, I mean, it's tried to get things like head checks out of the game, trying to limit concussions and everything else. Well, now, you know what, if you can take actual play and add some extra things, so a big body check now, you know, the guy explodes or something. Or, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I'm being silly, but you could add potentially all these things and maybe make it so that some people think this is way better than the real thing. A slap shot goes right through the boards or what, I mean, I, I just, you know, blue skying here, but I, I, I could see where this could end up being, we're going to make it hockey, but better than hockey.
2: Sure. Tampa Bay Lightning could be shooting lightning bolts. Yes. uh, Yeah. Gloves and stuff. Yeah. Depending on the name of the team, for sure. I
0: don't know how intimidating the Leafs will be (laughs) by that that description. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on, because the other, story, the other big story that's going on right now, I think, um, the big story, even bigger than that one, that was just really interesting, is uh, down in Hollywood, down in where they make TV and movies, there is the threat, I guess, of a writer's strike looming. Uh, I don't know how close we are to a writer's strike, but we've been down this path before. What happens if they do go on strike?
2: Well, you know, it's happened in the past, and uh, often uh, it derails, um, you know, a lot of the series. Now, here we are in March, so most of the seasons uh, on network broadcasts will be in the can, and they'll just show and run them just as usual, and you'll see the finale. So I don't see it being that disruptive right now. It's kind of an odd time to force the hand. Um, The thing is, of course, TV's more of a 52 week business now. You've got so many streaming channels. That have uh, shorter seasons, but they don't start till later, and those are probably the shows that'll be more effective. And affected, is this? So, so
0: one of the last times I can't remember how many writer strikes there've been, but am I correct that, um, you know, that right now there are a million different reality shows on TV, most of them. Uh, absolute dumpster fires, quite honestly, but but is this where the, the last time or one of the last times this happened, was this not one of the things that really propelled reality TV? Because now, you know, we can do this without writers. We don't need to wait for you to come up and write something. We can just throw people and come up with a crazy scenario and here you go.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, how much writing really is there on The Bachelor? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on,
0: on MILF Manor.
2: <laughs> right, yes, exactly. So, yeah, you know, that those guys could probably skirt through. I remember, though, in late-night television, you know, Jay Leno going on and claiming he was writing all his own jokes, doing his own monologue um, when they had one of the writers' strikes. And uh, so, you know, and that's mainly those shows are conversation, so, you know, there's ways of soldiering on, but I think uh, Letterman and uh, others actually shut down because they wanted to be, um, you know, shoulder to shoulder with their writers on the issue and not um, cross any picket lines. So, it's interesting how it plays out, and I, I don't think we've really had one with peak TV and with streaming as big as it is, so... The ramifications will be uh, across all the platforms.
0: Well, and 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 you mentioned streaming, and I'm glad you did because obviously that's that's a huge part of it. Now, um, it's there's tons of stuff. I mean, you go on Netflix or Disney Plus, whatever. I mean, there's no shortage of things to watch. I understand that. However, I think people do expect that there is going to be new offerings thrown on there because they are charging us more than they ever did before. And I wonder if some of these services, if this was to kick in, and were to last for any period of time that the new offerings begin to slow down. I wonder if people cancel or if they don't notice because there's just so
2: much stuff already there. I think the strike would have to last a long time for for people to sort of dump subscriptions because there's enough in the bank, you know, to coast for a while. What would be interesting, though, there's so many of these new fast channels like Pluto TV and uh, Mm. uh, Tubi. Uh, A lot of us have started watching old shows. And so if the new ones are shut down or there's no new episodes uh well fine i can watch all of fraser all 280 episodes (laughs) you know i can watch all of cheers or all of uh the big you know what what do you name your show you go go all the way back to the beverly hillbillies there's such a bottomless amount of content in the vault that's now on these free channels i think those are the ones that would really benefit Uh, they're you know, from uh, a prolonged writer's strike.
0: Yeah, the other thing I wonder about is if on, I mean, look, Netflix, we'll use Netflix just as an example. There's others, but Netflix has produced, I mean, how many series that, uh, you know, I, I've never watched. There's there's a ton of stuff that comes on there all the time that, I mean, seems yeah. like every second show is some sort of brooding Scandinavian crime drama. <laughs> um, but but it, the funny thing is, is that when we stumbled upon one once upon a time, I don't even know, I can't remember the name of it, um, Trapped. Trapped. It was in Iceland, and the big snowstorm comes in, and everyone's trapped there. And there's a murder, and it was a fan. We had to watch the subtitles because it was in Icelandic. But right. it was a great series. And I'll tell you what happened. My wife and I ended up watching about five in a row of these Scandinavian crime dramas. And I just wonder if that's the thing that ends up happening. If there's a writer strike, is people s- suddenly discover all kinds of stuff they otherwise never would have watched?
2: Well, I think the number one most-watched non-English show on Netflix last week was Korean. And, Is that right? Uh, okay. Yeah, it was like 85 million hours around the world. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's this, this international, it's worldwide, and you're right, there's storytelling going on all over. So people would find other things to watch now, and uh, yeah, I don't know uh how you know certainly there'll be people who are devoted to certain shows will be frustrated but there's that's the thing we've never had so much choice and People can find other stuff to watch.
0: Yeah, know. we may just end up missing out on 15 or 20 Marvel movies for the next little while.
2: <laughs> or they could, you know, do these green animated versions of yes. Marvel
0: movies. Yes, yes, just do them out. from home. Hi- hire hire a bunch of, you know, B rate actors who don't have to be seen and just <laughs> use the NHL technology and away you go. You just uh, turn them into whatever you want. Uh, you're, right. See, you're onto something, Bill. It's, uh, <laughs> you've just solved the problem. Uh, Bill Briou, you can find his stuff always at Breu TV uh, online. Line it's uh, always great stuff. Bill, thank you for doing this.
2: My pleasure, Scott. Anytime. Uh,
0: I don't know. I, I as I say, I, I don't know what it is that I would stumble upon because I guess that's kind of the whole point. You never really know if 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 the if the well was to dry up, so there was no new stuff coming on to these these streaming services. I don't know what would happen on regular TV. As I say, I think what would happen is you would just end up with even more high-quality programming like MILF Manor. I cannot believe there's a TV show called MILF Manor, but anyway. Um, or there would be 15 new spinoffs of 90 Day Fiancé. <laughs> it would just be 90 Day Fiancé, teenager edition, 90 Day Fiancé, blah, blah. Yeah. But there would be a million new reality shows and by and large, most of them would be absolute trash. But I think, yeah, I think what would happen is we would find a bunch of stuff that we would have never otherwise seen. And, you know, the downside for the Hollywood writers, I think people would be fine. I think people would be fine. And what makes it even tougher for them and look, I don't want bad things to happen to them. I mean, look, I'm I'm on their side, but, um, How many people are even going to movie theaters right now? There are people, of course, but not nearly as many who did once upon a time. So if there were fewer movies, we just went through COVID where there were no movies. We survived. It's a tough, it's a tough spot to be in because I don't know, I just don't know how much leverage they have here.